0: And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is live from the bunker.
1: Uh, Alright,
2: oh, thumbs up. up. Ready, guys? Let's, Let's do or- this. Leroy Dragons!
1: Oh my god, he just. hello everyone and welcome we are live from the bunker jason hunt here i am the editor at sci-fi for me.com and the executive producer of way too many shows here at sci-fi for me tv it's good to have you today if you are watching us live we are on both youtube and facebook the comments are active the chat is open if you are not live, that's okay. You can still leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi mecom And if you prefer uh, to get these kinds of shows in podcast form, we are over at all the different players. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast. Of course, all of the social media. But we would like you to subscribe to our newsletter. There's a pop-up widget over at sci fi for mecom There's also a link in the show notes. So you can do that. We're going to start using that a whole lot more because the internet has turned into the wild, wild west. And today, we are going to be talking about the brawl at the wall. Or something like that, Maybe. Oh, my goodness gracious me. All right, let's get into this. It started maybe about a week ago and some change, but actually it might have gone back further than that. I've got about seven pages of notes. We're going to try to do this in an hour, but who knows whether or not it's going to happen. I do have a couple of guests who are gonna join me here in a moment.
0: It's not, my finger, it's not my headphones. All
1: right. Matt sounds like he's having some issues right off the bat. So uh, sorry, my
0: headphones us- are not active. No, I've that's, that's all my tech right. expert in. All right. So <laughs>
1: joining us today, Dan Danverdi is the founder and CEO of a Family Investment Center. And Matt Stevens, who is an independent uh, investment advisor and broker. And so, gentlemen, thanks very much for uh, joining us today. And just uh, just for the sake of clarity, neither of you have any skin in the game on this one. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: None. All right. So it. I've got my notes, and I'm sure you guys have been looking at this over the weekend. This is a Hydra... And a half, and it is just—it doesn't look like it's—it's it's going to stop anytime soon. This is crazy stuff. But it appears that uh, a group on Reddit called Wall Street Bets noticed a short order on GameStop, and uh, basically, as I understand it, and you guys can correct me on this because I'm—I have no idea about any of this. I'm playing catch up. So the hedge funds basically say, we expect this stock to go l- drop in value. We're, we're selling it. We think it's going to go low. Then we buy it back at the lower price. We make our money. But this, this piece about borrowing stock, <laughs> this is what trips me up. Because how, how is that legal? Dan, you, you, can you explain short, shorting <laughs> orders, shorting stocks? What's, what, are, what are we talking about here? Because this is, this is new terminology for me.
2: Yeah, don't, don't get tripped up on the language. Um, and, and don't try to worry too much about the mechanics. Let's just say that um, I decide that I think a company is going to go down in value. And I want to make some money on that. Um It really doesn't matter where I borrow the stock. Basically, I'm going to go to my brokerage firm and I'm going to say, hey, look, I want to sell a thousand shares of that stock. And they're going to say, but you don't have a thousand shares of your stock. And that's fine. I'm going to borrow them from you. Just sell them and I'll buy them back later. And that's what happens in essence. And and it's perfectly legal. There's no issue with it. It's that I sell them at a price, a thousand dollars a share. And I'm hoping that the price is going to fall to $500 a share. Then I'm going to buy them back for $500 a share. Going to pocket the difference, and I'm going to return them to the person I borrowed them from. Except that when you're talking about hedge funds or talking about, you know, massive, sophisticated investors, they could be talking about a, a you know, a hundred million dollars in this transaction mm-hmm. instead of a thousand dollars in the transaction and instead of making you know fifty thousand dollars or whatever they're talking about making fifty million dollars and that's where it gets difficult because there are a lot of people you know when this when this whole transaction happens you know there's capital involved and you know people have to come up with the shares to buy them back and when the when the shares go the wrong way against you so i sell them For a thousand a share. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of falling to $500 a share, they go to $2,000 a share. Now I've got to buy them back at $2,000 a share in order to give them back to the person I borrowed them from. And, you know, they have to know or they have to, you know, somehow verify that I have the capital to make that transaction. That's why you start seeing the issues with. You know, we're going to close down the trading on this or whatever, is because they're afraid somebody's going to get left out. That's what it boils down to. Somebody doesn't have the money, right, to do what they have to do to finish the transactions.
1: Well, and I keep hearing uh, uh, people are starting to complain now. The this this whole process. Should be more regulated. It should be illegal. Nobody should be allowed to do this. But hedge funds have been doing this for for probably as long as there's been a stock market. And Dan, I heard uh or or Matt, I heard that somebody was comparing a, a guest on Hannity last week was saying that that short orders almost kind of serve as a check and balance to you know people overestimating. So it kind of kind of is this push and pull. To keep prices actually moderated somewhere toward the middle, is that is that an accurate characterization? I've,
0: I've often wondered about the legitimate business purposes for shorting stocks. I mean, it's certainly done. I don't. I wouldn't classify it as amoral. I don't. Um, but it's been done for a long time. Now, there there used to be something called the uptick rule. Which And they got rid of that in 2007. I don't know who was in charge of lobbying for that, but it was a standard in the industry. And that meant you could only sell, if you put in an order to short your stock, they could only execute it after it upticked. So if you wanted to sell it, say at $100, you could not execute that order until it traded at $100. And back then it was $100.01. They, and they got rid of that because somebody could just short some stock and then just barrel, just load it onto the market and drive the price down. They got rid of that in 2007. And uh, if they reinstated that, that would help a lot. But what happens here is they go in and they uh, elect to get short positions on, but initially they might do some things to run the stock up a little bit
2: and
1: yeah. get
0: people excited some and then, pe- then start unloading it
1: and some people may be wondering why we're talking about all this this being a science fiction channel what are y'all talking about investments and stocks and stuff our entry point into this is GameStop because uh, that that is it seems to be where all of this started now, I want to go back uh, this is an article from January twenty sixth in Forbes this didn't start a week ago Apparently, now this was way back, uh, Scion Asset Management, uh, back in April, at the beginning of the pandemic, they bought 5.3% of GameStop uh, GameStop stock. We're going to have fun with that today. It was running between $2 and $4 a share. And they put in $15 million and bought this thing. And they, according to this report, they told GameStop to use the money and start buying back their stock in order to, to affect the value. Now, this seems to uh, have been the beginning of this. Uh, Scion Asset Management, this Dr. Michael Burry, who was the, the subject of the movie The Big Short with, uh, with Christian Bale, talking about this very process of shorting orders. And... He's now sitting there saying there needs to be legal repercussions. There needs to be regulatory repercussions because this is all unnatural, insane, and dangerous. Because this, this has gone up some, what, 1,600% the stock price is up now. I haven't looked at what the, what the number is. What's it trading at now? Do you know?
0: Uh, somewhere around 300, I believe.
1: I saw it over four at one point. I know it was dropped down from there because there's been a lot of volatil- uh, volatility around it, mainly because you've got this group called Wall Street Bets. It's a subreddit group who noticed that this order was there and then noticed that the hedge funds were starting to short GameStop and did so. Now, Dan, you explained about borrowing stock and. It appears from some reports that these hedge funds borrowed more stock than what actually existed to some something to or something around 140%. So we're selling now phantom shares of a company that we expect to fail so that we can buy back these phantom shares that don't exist and make money selling something we don't own that's not real that nobody knows about. I, i'm I'm trying to wrap my head around this, and it just feels like a scam at at some level. but but this Wall Street bet subreddit group saw it, and they went, Aha, this is our chance to stick it to the big guy and let's go, go go. and And, you know, a lot of this is fueled by the pain from the financial collapse of two thousand and eight. Some people still haven't recovered from that. I've started to see, all sorts of social media posts from people who are saying, this is for my dad. He never recovered from the collapse of 008. you know this this hashtag hold the line. You see all sorts of stories about how the investment bankers and the and the, the brokers and Wall Street did harm in 2007, 2008 to the to just the regular Joe Schmoes. and now here's our chance to to get back at him.
2: I think that's a you know, that's a big part of this story. And I'd actually take besides there's another there's another connection besides the gamestop connection. And that's the whole idea of Robin Hood and some of the trading apps that are allowing you know just ordinary people on their cell phone to be playing this stock market game. Okay? Yeah. And that starts some with the guy at Barstool Sports, you know who uh, Dave Portnoy who when barstool stopped broadcasting games there weren't as many games being played and all that kind of stuff he had a lot of time on his hands and he started day trading and he started talking about it and i'm not i'm not a psychologist i'm not an expert i'm just a guy who's managed money for people for a long time my my guess is that some of those people were people who missed betting on football games (laughs) (laughs) Or missed basketball games. And there is an element of that in this. And so they start playing this game uh, with the markets and with these technology tools that didn't exist before. And I guess what I would say is... You know, that hedge fund, uh, when they're making a billion dollar bet on behalf of their clients, this is what they do all day, every day. They aren't always right. And it may not be defensible, but this is the kind of stuff they do. But now they're up against a whole bunch of people who've been doing it for 15 minutes or maybe maybe a month and a half. And, And so it takes on this David and Goliath thing. And it's enhanced by the whole betting idea, the whole gambling thing that I can buy something today for $1,000 and it's going to be worth $2,000 30 minutes from now. Right. And that kind of feeds on itself. And so I'd say that at least part of this entire thing is fueled by some new tools and new people who are in the market that weren't there six months or or six years ago.
1: Now, you mentioned Robinhood, their their whole thing, you know, that whole let the people trade. Right. uh, But no, not not you, not this stock. And and, (laughs) and you mentioned Portnoy. He's he's come out and basically said, you know, that Robinhood is one of the biggest frauds of them all. And a lot of that stems from I think what Thursday or Friday when Robin Hood froze trading on GameStop and a couple of other things. I mean, we've seen AMC has been part of this. Uh, uh, AMC Entertainment, the the movie theaters chain. You've got uh, Blackberries on this list. Nokia's on this list, and and American Airlines. American Airlines. There are so many of them. And Portnoy basically says, you know, well, this shows how fraudulent this whole thing is because it's, we, we have to do everything that we can to protect the hedge funds. We're not going to protect the little guy. And you mentioned these people that have been doing this for 15 minutes. You've got William Galvin, who's the secretary of, I, I don't know, he's up in Massachusetts. He's an executive secretary of the Commonwealth. I think he says that uh, he thinks that regulators should consider suspending GameSop for a month in terms of trading. He says there needs to be regulatory intervention because there's no rational basis for the run-up. He says the little guys are vulnerable. But his his quote, he calls them small and unsophisticated investors. And I'm sure he doesn't mean they're stupid when he says unsophisticated I mean, they haven't been doing this for a while, but some have. You look at some of the, some of the discussion going back and forth on Wall Street Bet. some of these guys have been doing this for quite a while. And it, it would feel like, uh, you know, Dan, you characterize it as David versus Goliath. It really does kind of feel like that. And it does also feel like the media and the financial markets and the government agencies are all circling the wagons around these hedge fund companies and saying, rules for me and not, you know, rules for thee and not for me, we get to play in this sandbox, you don't.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, or they are going to be protecting the hedge funds. The hedge funds are the ones that have all of the political connections. That's the way it always is. So they, I'm sure they are very busy writing laws that will, well protect, protect themselves. <laughs> uh, Robin Hood has allowed uh Trading to resume on the five or six stocks that you mentioned, uh, you're allowed to buy one share each.
1: Well, <laughs> so, and there you go. So, well, and I saw. I was And watching, I would encourage
0: everybody in the country
2: to go, on and to go buy one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and I and I and you mentioned that uh, the fact that they were that they were starting up again. Let me pull this up here for a moment because this one uh, this one broke I think this morning. This is an article in the Daily Mail over the UK. And a lot of people were in a tizzy about Robin Hood suspending uh, certain stocks. But as it turns out, and this is something that I have uh, that I have learned and I've heard a couple of other people talk about, you know you let the you let the story play out and the story changes. And a lot of people were were, you know conspiracy, uh, corruption, collusion, whatever. When Robin Hood suspended these accounts, well, it turns out that Robin Hood got told by the National Securities Clearing Corporation that you need to cough up $3 billion right now or else pay us $700 million and suspend the trade on these things to kind of give it a cooling off period. So who is the National Securities Clearing Corporation? This is not a government agency.
2: No, it's a it's a consortium of of brokers and stuff that are, you know, every minute of every day, there are shares trading between the the accounts at Merrill Lynch and the accounts at Schwab. I mean, that's it it doesn't matter. All the brokerage firms have to use somebody to clear their shares back and forth. And um, that's 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 who does that. Okay, And um, what they're concerned about is that capital issue I was talking about is that, you know, somebody at some point is going to have to come up with money to pay the other sides of some of these bets. And they're concerned about who has. That's another reason why the hedge funds are being protected is because the hedge funds have billions of dollars. You know, they're the ones that can settle this up. It's going to be hard for some of these individual investors who many of them may be millions upon millions of dollars, but that's no match for billions of dollars. I saw where Melvern, which was the you know the 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 big hedge fund that shorted you know for the most or whatever, their assets have fallen from twelve and a half billion to eight billion during this period of time. Yeah, well, well and I've
1: seen that uh, overall value of all of this stuff uh, for these hedge funds they've dropped at least seventy billion. And you yeah. mentioned Melvin Capital and the and the infusion of cash. You have Citadel and yeah. point, point .72 them
2: capitalize yeah, exactly yeah they're,
1: they're throwing almost 3 billion dollars into melvin capital just to keep them solvent
2: i think you know i, I do think and I, I wouldn't argue against the thing i wall street um, has has always played with with an advantage okay i mean <laughs> they're, they're always even the securities they sell to people, you know, they often take the best part of the security for themselves before they sell it to people. That's just the way Wall Street works. And that playing field ought to be more leveled. Yeah. But I'm not sure this is completely politics. This is partly politics, but it's also it's also capital. It's who has the deep pockets to fix this thing when it goes or to bear the loss. Yeah. I mean nobody's gonna to feel too bad when Melvern Capital and their well heeled investors come up two billion dollars short. That's sure different from grandpa who lost thirty nine thousand dollars of his retirement fund playing but, this game.
1: But how okay. much of this how much of this value is is just on paper though? I mean if I buy if I buy, you know, ten shares of GameStop and it's worth thousand right. dollars. And then all of this goes and it's and it's up and up and up and up and up. And suddenly I've got 10 pieces of paper that are worth 16 million and then it drops and they're worth 80 bucks now. How much actually have I lost and how much am I liable for? What's what's my responsibility? Because all of this is just this ethereal number that really doesn't doesn't become real until I try to sell my stock. Right.
2: yeah well i'll I'll uh, let matt take that (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) um
0: it it all depends on how you feel about uh your paper gains and paper losses that it's it's all real at that moment but no if if you're not using leverage you can't really can't lose using lose any more than you invest so but you can lose everything you put into any investment
1: so if all and i
0: assume none of these are marginal now i don't actually know they so, shouldn't be yep. But so M- margin means you could put up the it used to be 50 percent you could right. put up a thousand dollars and buy two thousand dollars worth of stock and it could still be that way
1: well would in, that be in, that way on short on on short stocks
0: and shorts you do some a, it's a similar amount okay. yeah if you go short you have mm-hmm. to put up it used to be also essentially the same amount of margin well, now they have decreased. I don't yeah. do anything leveraged anymore. So,
1: Dan, you mentioned the political aspect of this, and there are a lot of people that are looking at this with that filter in place, and I saw it pointed out today. Um, the current press secretary for uh, the president, Jen, uh, Jen Psaki, her brother, Jeff, is on staff at Citadel. And I saw another another note and I don't I have not been able to verify this part, but somebody also posted I think it was on a, a comment on one of Tim Poole's videos that Peter Struck, you know, from the old FBI, you know, uh, hurricane, whatever mess. Apparently, I have not been able to verify this, but it said that that his wife is now the acting chairman of the FCC. I have not been able to verify that Jessica Rosen Rosenworcel. Every media article that I have seen anywhere about her being appointed as acting chair of the FCC makes absolutely no mention of her family ties. So I I don't know if that's the case, but this kind of you know, this kind of incestuous relationship between uh, government and these other entities, and we see it a lot with media, you know, brothers and spouses and all that. Some of them work for the networks and some of them work for the government. Should that be done away with, restricted? I mean, there are some companies that have rules in place that you don't work with your spouse, you don't work with your family members, you don't date internally. I mean, should some of that stuff apply here where you're talking about Government agencies that could actually have an impact on on policy and procedures and how this all works.
0: That would be nice.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's really common for uh, for you know all of the key cabinet positions that are uh, in, in the president's cabinet for those guys to be, I mean, if you go back and look, it's a, well, he just left Goldman Sachs to take this appointment as the chairman of the thus and so, I mean, it's, it's been, been going on for decades. Yeah. And, um, and it does, it really does in a lot of ways, kind of stack the deck against the ordinary investors because government takes care of things. Um, I, it, you know, they take care of each other. I mean, that's what I said love him or hate him, you know, Don Trump had this egg, you know, this whole thing about um, he hated regulations, you know, we're going to cut back on regulations. And some of the regulations he cut back were on Wall Street. Well, you know, my position on it was well, of course, these are his buddies. I mean, he's a billionaire in New York City. Who who do you think he hangs around with? The billionaires in New York City, and most of them are tied to one of the Wall Street firms or something, you know? But does and, the, and does so the he's deregulation— just, He's taking care of his friends. Yeah, but yeah. does
1: the deregulation help the little guy as well?
2: Not so much in, no. in the Trump administration anyway. Um, I mean, I, I think they were pretty anti-consumer— um, in the way they handled things. I mean, for, for decades, it's been let the buyer beware. That's how Wall Street worked. If you bought the stuff, then you're responsible for the stuff. What, what hasn't been fair is you know, the disclosure that goes along with the stuff or the, or the sophistication. I mean, I can tell you, I run into people all the time, and this is a different industry, but it's the same thing. I run into people selling insurance products that I guarantee you, the person who sells the product could not really explain what it does or how it works. Okay, <laughs> they have no idea. They're, they're 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 licensed and they're sent out and they sell products and they don't necessarily understand them. So how could the consumer understand them? No. That's the kind of thing that's gone on for Wall Street for years.
0: Yeah, that's nothing new. It's been no, not, not always been that way.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right.
1: Well, and, and the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which oversees all of this, they issued a statement on Friday saying that they were, quote, Clo- they're closely reviewing actions taken by regulated entities that may disadvantage investors or otherwise unduly inhibit their ability to trade certain securities. So that sounds like they're looking at what the hedge funds have been doing rather than what uh, groups like uh, Wall Street Bets have been doing. They're basically saying, we want to make sure that everybody has a, has a, a way to play in the, in the sandbox. But what kind of repercussions could there be on this kind of thing? Other than the hedge funds go under, they're gone. Are there, are there negative repercussions and fallout that we could be looking at toward the retail investors, these, these little guys, as it were?
0: I would assume that they will start looking at who was driving the discussions on Reddit, see if there were interested parties that might be bigger than they made themselves appear. Uh, that's all I can think. I, I haven't really followed what was actually said there and who was saying it. But if someone had a big interest and was concealing that, and and keep in mind that it's not just small investors that are cleaning up on this. There are large hedge funds that have long positions in this Mm -hmm. uh i don't think they oh i think they're getting way more out of it than they ever anticipated right and i assume they're taking actions to start liquidating to some degree
1: you mentioned the discussion that's going on over at over at wall street bets a lot of that discussion today is centered around the media reports that they're going after silver next Mm -hmm. And you've got all these all these news reports are saying, you know, uh, Wall Street Bets is going after silver. They're going after silver. And the Wall Street Bets guys are posting all of these screenshots saying we're not (laughs) going after silver. The media is lying. They're creating this false narrative to prop up silver. And guess who owns silver? Citadel.
2: Well, it's it's again, I read this morning that silver is the most shorted commodity on the face of the planet today. There are a lot of big bets that the price of silver is going to fall. So I think you have to understand there's another interesting thing that's a dynamic in this short selling thing. And it's one of the reasons why people hate short sellers. I mean, if you talk to Wall Street, you know. The whole idea behind Wall Street is to kind of hype things and raise the prices, and yet you've got this group of short short sellers who do just the opposite. And what they'll do with GameStop or somebody else is they'll go in and they'll analyze the books and they'll say, you know, this is selling for way more than it should. The profits don't justify this. And so we're gonna do this short sale so that we can buy it for less later. But the key part of that is the short sale doesn't work unless they convince people that the price of the stock should fall. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what people on Wall Street hate. And, you know, uh, Bill Ackman, who's considered to be one of the top investors in the world today, you know, he had a five year war with the people over at Herbalife <laughs> and he mm-hmm. basically yeah. made huge bets against mm-hmm. it and spent five years trashing the company to try to lower the price to make those short sales work out well. Okay, he finally got out of it last year. So part of it is it's not, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of dynamics involved here, but part of the GameStop thing is the people who are shorting it, they also have to be trashing it. Yeah. OK, they, that's the only way they're going to make money is if the price actually falls, which is where the Robin Hood thing comes in. Because these guys are saying, we're we not going to let that happen. And they start doing just the opposite, which and they've been more effective at this point. Now, but let, it still remains to be seen which one's going to shake out in the end.
1: Let that's, me ask you this. Uh, Sci-Fi <laughs> Snob is, has a comment in the chat. He's He's got a couple of these things. He says it doesn't matter if if people have been doing it for five minutes, 15 minutes or, or 15 years. Uh, their adults are responsible for their actions. But he does also point out, he says, with their dead business model, I don't see how GameStop is worth more than $5 a share. Taking a look at where they started and how that stock has performed and, and the, the, the financial status uh, of, of the company itself – where should that stock be valued right now, do you think? I mean, I think I at the beginning of the year it was something around 20 bucks a share.
0: It, it was, I got it right here. $17 start of the year. Okay. 8 uh 19,
1: 17 18. So where should it be sitting if if all of this wasn't going <clears throat> on right now? Where would something where would GameStop be, do you think?
0: Uh, I would guess about 3 bucks. Um Dan, what do you think? I mean with without a very bright future.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't um, an, I don't analyze individual stocks, but I would have to say that if you just looked at the idea of this bricks and mortar company selling games in malls, it's not a very appealing idea, and that's how come the price was as low as it was. Well, in and,
1: GameStop back in back in January was it January? Where did I see this? January eleventh, a report from GameStop their their financial report, uh, their e commerce trade was up three hundred percent, and this comes after they got an agreement with RC Ventures and they added Ryan Cohen, who's the right. founder of Chewy. Uh, He was one of three new board members. So people are sitting there going, well, maybe GameStop is making a resurgence. Maybe there's something to this that maybe they might survive. And that's what pulled the the stock up to 17.
2: Well, and I think that that's the driver that uh, Keith Gill used on uh, on what Roaring Kitty or whatever. I mean, I think that was the that was what that was where he started was that, hey, we put this new guy on the board, he's gonna be able to goose the returns uh, selling these games online, and everybody knows how online has done. So, I mean, that was the big pitch for raising the price. Mm-hmm. It, it probably didn't justify the price rising to where it did, but then I don't think that was all about GameStop, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it was more about other issues.
1: I, I think so. Uh,
0: Dan, do you think, uh, I, I've wondered, is. Could it be possible that GameStop should, could have a, a stock offering at this level? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they could do they anything should. they wanted.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. I they mean, do a what? Well, an IPO. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. say, hey, we're going to issue new shares at this price and use the money to to build that new platform or whatever. Yeah, right?
0: or turn them all into uh, chicken franchises or something, and <laughs> whatever <laughs> they, they wanted.
2: But well, seriously, they have five thousand stores, so I want you to think about that. Mm-hmm. Even if they count, even if they you know even if they become the next amazon of game selling which is possible they still have 5000 leases with mm-hmm. malls out there i mean it's there's there's a lot there's a lot of reason not to like the numbers here and i i think that's what the short sellers saw but you know whether they drive up the i mean how it how it all ends we don't know yet but
1: well, we talked about silver earlier in the discussion back and forth online, especially over at Twitter, uh, following some of these hashtags. I mean, this thing is, is going far and wide, various different things. I mean, we're looking at some, some kind of a cryptocurrency called Tron. Rolls-Royce oh, yeah. R- Rolls, Rolls got mentioned at one point. You mentioned uh, American Airlines uh, before. Uh, Nokia, BlackBerry, Blockbuster Video. The hold the holding company that owns Blockbuster, which is
0: <laughs> and it's one store. I mean, it's
1: one store. I mean that that whole that whole uh, uh, bankruptcy holdings company or whatever. They're looking at that one, and then weird thing, somebody some people started talking about gold in Tanzania. <laughs> And that enters into it. And then then people are starting to talk about the coup in Myanmar. And so now this thing becomes this global thing that's not just about GameStop. And it's not just about the hedge funds. This could be a whole world economy thing that's going on here as far as what. Because, because these guys who are buying this stock are not just in the United States. Right? I mean, this is not limited just to the U.S. that people can buy these shares.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, But I'll also remind you, you know, 40, 50 years ago, um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs is owned by Clark Hunt Mm -hmm. and his family. Okay. Well, his, not his dad, but his grandfather and his brothers, the Hunt brothers, tried to corner the entire world market in silver at one time. Okay. I mean, they weren't selling it short. But they were trying to control the value of the whole thing so that they could get wealthier. I mean, these kinds of things have happened off and on for decades. This one has taken on a new life partly because of social media and partly because, I mean, look at us today. Here we sit at three computers and we're talking about this and people are listening to it. You know, that didn't used to have a forum. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a way for people to follow this and pay attention. I, I think part of it is—is is, it's the world we live in, 24/7 news, and it gives new life to things. But that doesn't mean that they'll last for a month. I mean, this thing could all be done in in five days, well, or and, it could be five months or five years. But and, we yeah, don't know yet.
1: Yeah, but given how how people are talking about the impact and the and the harm and all of this, you know, a lot of people talk about. Uh, this us versus them thing. You've got the Wall Street yeah. fat cats. You've got everybody else that doesn't have any investments in Wall Street. And, and Wall Street is not a good indicator of the economy and whatnot. But you've got a lot of people who have got 401ks that play in the stock market. What kind of impact do you think something like this? I mean, if this thing keeps going and going and going, and not just GameStop and Nokia and BlackBerry, but now it starts getting into other stocks that have a little bit more volatility to them a little bit more uh, uh, if they're a little bit more solvent companies what kind of impact could this have on 401ks and retirements and and that sort of thing long term
0: well right now it would be very helpful because virtually no 401ks are going to carry short positions so uh, over time though the chaos could spill out and be negative for the market but right now it would be the rather positive thing for almost everyone except the shorts.
2: And I think in the, you know, in the long run, what makes the market go up or down is the, is the profits of the companies involved, honestly. And that's one of the reasons why the market has stayed up, you know, through the pandemic and everything is these companies, many of them are still doing pretty well. So the people who own the stocks, you know, they enjoy those profits or their share of the profits as they go forward. I'd almost say that, know, there there are a bunch of people who ski, but there aren't a bunch of people who ski jump. Okay, when you're talking about GameStop and you talk about uh, the hedge funds, I mean, you're talking about the ski jumpers here. Right? And could it influence? Yeah, maybe it could a little bit, but by and large, that's not going to change. You know, skiing for most people.
1: And the founder of Wall Street bets, Jamie Rogozinski. Uh, he says this is the democratization of financial markets and and giving giving regular people a chance to to sit at the table, but you know people are starting to ask about the regulatory aspects of it and the government stuff. And I want to circle back to that here for a second because Brian Deese, who's the director of the National Economic Council now under under Biden. Says the SEC is looking at all elements of this with the focus to protect individual investors and the stock market. But he says the stock market's not a good barometer for the economy. And then he turns it right back around and makes makes it about unemployment. It really feels like he dodged the question. And this was on <laughs> CNN, where he's punting to the SEC. And I can understand the SEC rightly has regulatory oversight on this stuff, so they would be. It, w- it makes sense that they would be looking into it. But when you have uh, members of the of the government, you know, representatives of the government being asked about this and they're kind of ducking and bobbing and weaving and not really answering the question. I mean, Jen Jen Psaki got asked about it uh, with regard to uh, Yellen, who's the new uh, secretary of of the Treasury, I think. And, you know, they're asking if she's going to recuse herself because she's had over eight hundred thousand dollars in speaking fees from Melvin Capital or Citadel, I mean, where did, I've got it in my notes somewhere, but one of those, and and Pasaki says, oh, do you know that we now have our first female Depart- uh, Secretary of the Treasury? Yeah. And we've got a bunch of women in the department. Okay, so is, is yeah. Yellen going to recuse herself because she's made money from these people that are getting hurt by this? It really does seem, you know, this whole, you know, right hand left hand we're we're going to kind of wink and a nod and and look the other way kind of thing does this expose a lot of that
2: well you would hope
1: yeah
0: (laughs) i I certainly noticed the punt on the that uh, question when it was asked so i thought it was irrelevant
1: what do you think this does to the dollar because we, you know, for the longest time, you know, we talk about the 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 paper value of this stuff. It's not real unless somebody starts to go and sell it. Our dollars actually aren't even real, having any kind of a value other than what we assign to it. Because you've got the you've got the Fed, and you've got all of this, but we're off the gold standard. We don't have any kind of basis for the value of the dollar other than what we say it's worth. Could this expose well, yeah. us in in a way that? Uh, could we possibly see a return to the gold standard as a result of all of this? Because, I mean, I don't see where one is connected to the other. Honest, myself, just because I don't understand this. But could could that be a a side effect?
0: Well, our dollar floats. Um the strength of our economy would be the, the most important thing. So I don't really, I don't have an answer for that.
2: and you have an no, opinion? I, I, no, I, the, the value of the dollar isn't what we declare. The value of the dollar is what the worldwide markets say it is. Yeah. And it's like uh, Matt was just saying, it has to do with how much confidence they have in our political system and our economic system. I mean, one of the strongest things I've said for years is, our, our political and economic system is so much stronger than any place else on the world that people have to use our dollar as their currency reserve, even when they hate us. Mm-hmm. And that is literally the truth. Yeah. These, these, these countries in the Middle East that absolutely detest us still have to trade in the dollar because it's the strongest and most stable in the world. I, I, there's no – I actually – printing more and more dollars uh, for the pandemic and for all those things probably will have more influence on the value of the dollar than the GameStop crisis. Um, But, but, uh, you know, all those things spill over, they all are part of it. So.
0: Ultimately all dollars are, uh, the value of currencies are all relative. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Even, even though we have problems, other countries have problems. Yeah. And, uh, Dans right, we're the greatest economy on earth and probably will remain so for some time.
1: We've got a comment in the chat from super Super JLK. Gamestop needs to shift to an online business model to stay alive. And Dan, you were talking earlier about the number of stores that st- they still have physical properties. Is that a viable option for them to sit there and go, okay, we're going completely online now? Uh, We're we're not going to have any store. We're going to close all of our stores. Maybe phase them out over over a period of time, and go strictly to an online model. Is that do you think is that an option that's on the table for them to to keep them around? Can they even can they do that without taking a huge hit financially?
2: That's the issue is how much it'll cost them to do that. And even if they do go online, uh, Jason, I mean, think about this for a second. What's their advantage over Amazon? I mean, they could go completely online, but Amazon's already completely online and selling a lot of the same products and stuff. So they would have to have some kind of added value that they bring to the table that makes that more uh, rewarding for them. Uh, Sure, I think they could do it, but... I you know, am am I gonna bet my own millions on it? No.
1: <laughs> well, and and you get into this uh, this uh, sticky situation where you have Amazon Web Services providing a lot of online uh, <laughs> yeah. access. You know, we see what they did to Parler, and oh by the way, Twitter is also a client. And and um, no no no, there's no there's no hanky panky going on here. So let's say GameStop decides they go completely online. Where do they go? Do they use Amazon Web Services to to provide their platform? In which case, does Amazon give them a fair shake? I mean, now the questions of corruption are out there all the time. Nobody trusts any of this stuff.
0: Well, one thing that GameStop would have going for it right now is they currently have an extra, I would guess, three or four million uh, shareholders
2: so,
1: way more than usual
0: so that they'll get a little preference i don't know how long they'll be in the stock but uh, some of them may be there a long time
1: what if so. they do an ipo what if what if somebody looks at this and they go okay now's the time to jump let's do well, it
0: i'm sure they would love to i'm sure it's i don't know how quickly they could get one out the door and then you'd have to find uh large buyers that are going to be paying essentially a premium price for it
1: well but they- it could be done. Is that something, think, maybe. Is, is that so. something that's got to go through the sec? They oh, have yeah. to approve that. Now kind it's of possible
0: to have some sort of, sometimes when they, I don't know when their last offering was, but sometimes they do a shelf registration, which they have, they've, have it could be a faster process. And, uh, but you still have to find a buyer and,
1: uh, and, and that's that, assuming that's assuming the SEC plays ball and lets them do it. I mean, they yeah, could they, they could it very be. well sit there and go, you know what? This would hurt our buddies over at the hedge funds. We're not going to let you.
0: Possibly, it's currently two hundred thirty-one dollars a share. So it's a uh, not a lot of people are uh, going to not a lot of heavily heavily <laughs> people with a lot of money are going to pay that. But I mean, you never know. I mean, yeah. if you if you have to have the shares.
1: Well, and, and uh, pay the,
0: whatever it takes, the,
1: pe- the people the that have do. these, yeah, but the people right. that have these, they're sitting there going, hold the line, we're not going to sell.
0: Mm-hmm. I- Keep in mind, probably 70% of the shares are in pension funds and that type of thing. So eventually they'll start liquidating. Mm-hmm. So the, that is a source. I I would think, I, I don't really know how many are are held in the funds, but that's they've shorted about 140% of the float. Right. So, so there's our shares elsewhere. This you got to entice them out to wherever they are. Yeah. and insiders have some shares.
1: Let me they can fill those with some let restrictions. Me, let me throw this up out there as far as the kind of reactions we've been seeing to all of this. Um, this got posted. This is New York PD counterterrorism. They say the stock market has had an interesting week to say the least. We're happy to report the Wall Street charging bull is secure. And continues to preside over Bowling Green for the foreseeable future. This comes after a little bit of vandalism, apparently, which came in the form of some painters tape being stuck to the bull. I mean, it is this an over? Is this the New York Police <laughs> overreacting a little bit to this? I mean, this this seems you know riot squad gear for painters tape. Uh, it seems a little ridiculous at this point, do you think?
2: I I think it's um, I think media thrives on drama and there's a lot of drama what? attached to this right now. Oh, damn! the deuce
1: you say. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, I think they're going to I think the media and the police and whoever else, they're going to ride this horse as long as they can. That's what's going to until there's a new horse in town.
1: Yeah
0: it's kind of viewed as a populist movement. I, I, I think agree. a lot of the little guys, are, I mean, there are millions of people cheering this on. I can't help but be sort of a part of it because it's been such a scam for so many years. Just take a company and just drive the stock down and nothing and, and cash in your shorts. And you're wiping out people that have you know, they're work, been working at GameStop and accumulated a few shares. And now it's, you scare yeah. them out of it. And it's uh so this is getting a lot of public support. And look at the companies that they're doing this to. They're all uh unloved. Yeah. That's uh, right. Nokia, uh, uh GameStop. I mean, they're all didn't did none of them really had a bright future that I'm a I'm aware of.
1: I'm really they're surprised. That struggle. I'm surprised so. that I haven't seen Motorola on this list yet.
0: Oh, or well, say, there you go. Texas yeah, I'll tell the Reddit guys about it. Texas Instruments, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, you know, you've got the public uh, the public rallying around this, but also the politicians are sitting there saying, you know, that, that this kind of thing. And on both sides of the aisle, you know, you've got Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, quote, got to admit it's really something to see Wall Streeters with a long history of treating our economy like a casino complain about a message board of posters also treating the market as a casino. And then... Ted Cruz posts fully agree. And then she says, you can't talk. You almost had me murdered three weeks ago. So the yeah, the bipartisan support is is mixed, I guess. I mean, you've got Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio's uh, who's going to be the incoming chair of the banking committee. He plans to call for a hearing. You've got Senator Elizabeth Warren saying there needs to be some more regulatory. The regulators need to wake up and do their jobs. Well, OK, if they haven't been doing their jobs. Who's responsible for that? Because, you know, for the longest time, I've said that that Congress has abrogated a lot of their responsibilities to these various agencies and what unelected officials that are making all of these rules as they go. Are we seeing some of that here because the SEC lets some things happen and not other things happen? And we're kind of keeping an eye on one thing and letting other things go. Is that part of how we've got into this mess?
2: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the it's, it, it's likely that the person who's running the SEC or other people on the board of the SEC have worked on Wall Street. I mean, it's just not uncommon. Or, or Wall Street lawyers. I mean, they all come from a very tight-knit little uh, community, and it's worked really well for them for a long, long time. That's one of the reasons why they – You know, anytime you talk about any significant reform, one of the things they say is, well, why mess with something that's worked so well? You know, well, it's worked really well for them, maybe not quite so well for others. Um, But it's it's structural. (laughs) It's it's more than just a couple of Congress people getting together and saying we need to change this. It's it's a huge structural change in order to make a significant difference on some of these big issues.
1: Well, and you've even had some people that are sitting there saying that, you know, it's, you know, you talk about this being a populist movement. There are some media who are trying to make this out into be is some kind of Trumpism or alt-right or, you know, that kind of thing as well. Um, Now, Super JLK makes a good point. The regulators would rather catch the small fish in the pond than go after the sharks. And. It kind of feels a little bit like that. I mean, you look at back what William Galvin said. He said that uh, that maybe, uh, maybe the regulators need to make an example out of GameStop. Why? And I even really in all of this mess, I have not run across any kind of statement from anybody at GameStop. Yeah. Do we know what they think about all of this? I mean, are they just sitting there looking at this kind of dumbfounded with their with their jaws slack and going? How did we get in the middle of all of this?
2: Well, I'm sure they didn't like being shorted because that's just an ugly thing. Okay, (laughs) I mean, that's that's somebody saying you aren't worth what the market says you're worth and shorted at one hundred and forty
1: percent. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing, too. I mean, that kind of thing shouldn't even be allowed to happen, should it? 140 percent of the shares i mean you're it you're you're probably shorting shares will be a that, don't while even exist. Before that
0: kind of thing happens again <laughs> 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 yeah, but keep should. in mind that the people at GameStop, uh GameStop right now are big winners in this i mean probably all of them own shares sure and uh i don't know if they're free trading or not i mean some of them no doubt are so they've done quite well and uh
1: but so that probably but, not.
0: But that assumes
1: right that assumes they sell it before the value starts to drop precipitously. Oh, well, sure,
0: though. and uh, I assume some of them probably are. Well, I, I, I no hope idea. they
2: are. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I hope they are.
2: Yeah, yeah. If somebody's going to be left because there's there's people mm-hmm. buying in today yeah. at two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, one it's chair. unlikely. <laughs> it's it's unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> this week then, uh, but it's unlikely that it's going to sustain at that price forever. True. Okay. So those people are going to be out their money when when that re- day of reckoning yeah. day of reckoning comes.
1: So how do yeah. we how do we keep track of this to know when that's going to happen? I mean, is this There's no predictive? We just kind of keep an eye on everybody and all the media reports and the government agencies and Wall Street bets and whoever blinks first is is going to lose.
0: Somebody's going to start getting afraid that they're going to lose what they've made. Possibly. I and mean, there could be a change in the regulations, but right now it's all free money. But at some point, they're going to, it'll kind of be mentally dispersed and uh, they won't want to lose it. And uh, that's kind of the way.
2: You also don't works. know when you're talking about message boards and stuff like Roaring Kitty or whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. Basically unregulated. This guy I understand was licensed. Um, they said he used to work for Mass Mutual, although Mass Mutual says he isn't anymore. You know, what, what if he sold everything he owns last week and pocketed his millions or whatever and continues to keep hyping it to other people? I mean, you, you just right. don't know. He's not regulated. Right. Okay. There are rules about what brokers can say and do, and they probably aren't enforced as consistently as they should be, but there are rules. You're talking message boards, there are no rules.
1: right. Well, and and I guess uh, it, it should it should be said here, and I and I probably should have said this at the top of the hour that we're just talking about things. We're not offering any kind of official advice uh, per, uh, for, for any of this. I certainly am not qualified to, to tell people what to do with their money, but um, the the message boards seem to be just kind of like you say, Dan, it's kind of a free-for-all. And there's no one person leading the charge. So there's no there's no particular target that, uh, you know, the regulators can go after this one guy. You started it all. Uh, You know,
2: even even if you're a so we're licensed, hmm. you know, people who are licensed, they've passed exams, they have to meet regulatory hurdles and things like that. But, you know, you have to even be licensed if you write a newsletter that sends advice to people. And I don't know whether you know that or not, but if I start writing a newsletter and saying you should buy this or you should sell this or you should do whatever, that person has to be licensed and they are regulated and there are rules they have to follow. That's different than message boards.
1: Mm. Robert in the chat says GameStop is down 24% today. Um, <laughs> Snob says, I just lost my whole saving based on Jason's advice. <laughs> okay. <so laughs> He likes to Jason. he likes to kid. It's Jason's fault. Kidder. That's right. It's all my <laughs> fault. It's all my fault. I'm I'm perfectly fine taking the blame for some things, but <laughs> not other things. It's like I was saying the other day. Uh, I was to, I was telling telling Mrs. Boss. I know everything else. I don't know everything. So you know mm-hmm. that is one of those things. All right. So, uh, right now I think I see a note here as of January twenty sixth. GameStop was valued at fourteen billion dollars. So uh, I don't know how much that has changed between now and and then, but if if they go with an IPO, is that is that a good thing for them to do? You don't, Dan, you don't think they're going to do that?
2: Well, I think they. I mean, I think uh, Matthew makes a great point that it would be an ideal time to raise money on their behalf. Mm. But I think it's going to be tough for them to find significant amounts of money for people to pour into that model today. Now, you know, more plow to them. God bless them. Go see what you can do. But uh, that probably wasn't even on their radar a month ago. No, and, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
0: market cap, right? Yeah. Market cap right now is 17 billion. So a year ago, it would have probably been. Well, <laughs>
2: Not uh, a
1: billion. Yeah. <laughs> Not a billion. billion. Yeah, that is yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Well, and and like they're pointing out in the chat, Discord at one point had disabled Wall Street bets. Uh, Reddit had pulled them down. It turns out I think they pulled their own uh, subreddit into a private mode in order to make sure that they were doing everything as far as terms of service and community guidelines and that kind of thing, that they were going to be able to enforce things. So I imagine some of that kind of maybe goes back to what you were saying, Dan, about the regulatory stuff, because if you've got this this wild, wild west discussion thread about stocks and and investments and you've got people that are in there, maybe licensed or not giving advice, uh, that would probably invite some scrutiny that maybe they don't want or or is just a byproduct of, well, we're going to get hit by. X, Y, and Z problems because there are people in here talking out of turn.
2: Well, and there's there's no barriers to entry. That's part of the issue. I mean, you set up a Robinhood account and you have the app on your phone, you can start trading instantly. No charges because the transactions are, you know, free now uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've got people who are jumping into the market on this kind of betting kind of notion that really aren't aware or knowledgeable now, you know, to their own peril. I, I I get that they are ultimately responsible, but I saw a story the other day that said some kid had second mortgaged his parents' house in in, in order to put it in GameStop. Uh, now you know, I don't even know how you would do that. I don't know how your kid would be able to do it. But that was the All story right. I read. Well, clearly, somebody who's doing that is not really sophisticated yeah. enough to be trading stocks. Right. That's the bottom line.
1: Well, does, yeah,
0: that's surely not going to end well.
1: No, no. Yeah, might have a,
0: one good chapter.
1: Well, now, is is that uh, I don't even want to get into this part, but the people the people that end up uh, eating their shirts over this. are Is this something that can be covered by, say, Chapter 11 or Chapter 7 bankruptcy if they get really over a barrel in the hole? What will that do to them?
2: I suppose. I mean, I don't think it's different. The only thing that's not exempted from bankruptcy is uh, certain government loans and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would think that, yeah, I would think you could discharge this debt.
1: Yeah, and Robert was asking about the uh, about the IPO pull the, pull the regulatory burden to issue new stock to raise some capital in the next couple of days. And and we had talked about that earlier. And Matt, you're saying that it if that it would probably take more time than they've got. Uh, to even set that up unless somebody sat there and he went, Oh, I see what's going to happen. Six, six steps ahead. Let's, let's jump and do this.
0: Yeah. It takes a while to get an offering out the door, but they've, it's possible they've done some of the work in advance. Uh, I don't know that situation, but it, it starting from scratch. It takes several months at least usually.
1: All right, so let me ask you this, and I don't think that this is going on and I have no knowledge of it, but just to throw another monkey wrench in the, in the thing, what if somebody over at GameStop saw the short and said, oh, this is going to be bad, saw the Reddit thread and said, let's game the system so our stock goes up so we can do an IPO while things are so volatile And we save the company. What if this is a Hail Mary from inside GameStop? I'm not saying that's the case. I'm throwing this out as a what if.
0: If they were involved in running the stock up uh, for nefarious reasons, that would probably be a violation of some sort. Um, But short of that, if they just kind of saw it coming and were going to take advantage of it, I don't know.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that's the, the likely mm-hmm. scenario here. I'm just uh, – because hey, I would imagine there's there's consequences for that kind of thing. I mean, uh, JLK yeah. says he thinks it's highly illegal that they would do something like that because that's essentially insider trading, right-ish?
0: Yes. Similar? Yeah, well, it, it could be. It depends on why the stock went up. Yeah, you know, if they just were guessing it was going to go up and –
2: um, I, I there's there's no way they could have envisioned what this has no. turned into. I mean, <laughs> no. I, I it's just I wish you know, I could have.
1: No, right. <laughs> right. I mean, if there had been a couple of soothsayers out there on Wall Street, that, you know what I think is going to happen next week. Oh, uh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, I, I've been
2: I've been working uh, in the investment world long enough to know I, I discount everybody who tells me what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I I, I tell the story. I went to a conference uh, back in 2007, 2008. Um, um, Alan Greenspan had just finished his stint as as Federal Reserve Chairman. And he was a speaker at a conference I was at and he gave a nice little speech. And at the end of the speech, he took questions and answers. And somebody picked up the microphone, went up and said, hey, uh, Professor Greenspan, I've been hearing that there's some kind of mortgage crisis brewing here. What do you think? And I swear to you, he said, no way, not at all. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen. Everything's fine there kind of thing. And within three months, the entire economy had nearly collapsed. And I remember thinking, this is the guy with more information than anybody else, probably in the world. The chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States, and he missed that call. Mm-hmm. So uh, anytime somebody tells me this is what's going to happen three weeks, three months, or three years from now, I, I'm not a buyer of what they're selling.
1: Yeah, does the Fed have too much uh, influence on on economy, money, finance? I mean, I see a lot of complaints about it all the time and i don't know if that factors into what's going on here with with the stuff going on on wall street but is is it time to take a take a look at the fed and and scrutinize them a little bit more
0: well, again that would be something that would be kind of nice i mean it's a it's a it's a group of private banks it's uh, uh it's owned privately they have profits that they supposedly turn over to the fed or to the federal government okay. So it's a, uh, yeah, they do have a lot of influence and-
2: uh, Well, and I think them. they've, you know, on the plus side, they're, they're probably what kept the economy going this last year with the pandemic and everything, both with lowering interest rates and with buying uh, reserve assets. When they started buying mm-hmm. bonds and things, uh, they, they, they kept the economy flowing and they did a good job. They aren't always as good at it as they've been this last year. Yeah. No. Uh, but I think any any government or quasi-government institution um, should be scrutinized um, all the time. And That's not to say that they're all bad. It's just I think somebody ought to be watching them. The, the problem you run into, I think, with the Federal Reserve and the SEC and some of the other things is the typical congressperson doesn't understand what they do. I mean, you know, so how, how can they provide the scrutiny if they don't even understand it themselves? Right. And I think that's a big part of the issue. The really the really knowledgeable people are the ones who are running Wall Street and the regulators probably. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it is a crazy time. We'll have to see how it all shakes out, and uh, and and whatever happens next, happens next. I mean, I, it's uh, who knows where it goes from here, but uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Matt Stevens, Dan Danford, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Do you guys okay. uh, you guys want to Thank to you. tout your wares here for a second while you've got a while you've got a forum? You want to tell people about where they can find you?
0: And I, I, I really can't, uh, but I, I don't really have retail anymore, except uh, i a big fan of long-term investing, and uh, I've never met a yet to meet a short-term trader that actually made money, so <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for him. If you are one, let me know. I'll check your statements. I,
2: I love that. Thank you. Um, uh, my firm is called Family Investment Center. We have offices in St. Joseph and Kansas City, and we are fiduciary investors. Uh, we operate discretionary accounts for our clients, and today we manage uh, some $400 million for a variety of clients. Uh, Most of them are middle or upper middle class folks, so um, it's a really good business, and you can look us up on the internet, and if you think it makes sense, then give us a call. All
1: right, and just to reiterate that uh, nothing that was said here today should be construed as official uh, investment advice, so we'll uh, we'll just throw that out there just to cover our... Selves a little bit more. Matt Stevens, Dan Danford, thanks for joining us today. Dan, it's
0: a Jason. Good seeing you, and Danny. Really sound like you know what you're talking about. So it's been uh-huh. a pleasure.
2: Uh, every day is an adventure. It's been <laughs> it Thank is, you guys. It's, right.
0: it's a very stimulating business. <laughs> yes, it is.
1: <laughs> thanks. Okay. All right, and thanks to all of you in the chat for your participation in the conversation. Again, if you are seeing this uh, not live. Uh, You can also leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com and share your thoughts as well. And we will be back to do this all again tomorrow. Maybe not, uh, maybe not really so much an exciting conversation as, as we had today, but you never know the things could change. (laughs) We've got uh, uh, some back and forth with, uh, Flint Dill, who is the grandfather of the creator of the Buck Rogers newspaper strip. We're going to try to get him uh, on the, on the uh, show at some point. We're talking to Tony Weisskopf at Bay and Books about being on here. A real quick programming note. We will not have a show on Thursday. Uh, Mrs. Boss and I are attending a funeral at that time, so there won't be, uh, there won't be a, a bunker on Thursday. And we do have a new H2O podcast tonight have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about, but Mr. Harvey and I will be here 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And then tomorrow night, we will have a brand new Salacious Crumbs with the latest news and rumor about Star Wars. So we do invite you to check those out. Uh, Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Have your notifications turned on, and we will be back to do this all again tomorrow. And remember...